Welcome to the Eric Anders Lang Show, everybody. We are coming at you with a very special interview today with Anna Nordquist. Nordquist. Yeah, you're right. You, you pronounce it quist. Yeah. Uh, back home is Nordquist, but I said Nordquist over here. It's just easier for everyone. Back home in Sweden, she's referring to Anna. You played on the LPGA tour for quite a while and um, your, I mean, I'm a fan of all of your stats. I think my favorite stat of yours is, well, maybe you tell me if my favorite stat of yours is the same as your favorite stat of yourself, but fifth, fifth start on the LPGA tour comes home with a trophy. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, uh, it's definitely probably one of my most, like my deep most moment that I have because that's the moment that I basically got my full tour card to because uh, I didn't have my full tour card prior to that and it was always a long long dream of mine to make it on tour um, and li- leaving college early and stuff I think definitely winning winning that early uh, when basically everyone was waiting for you to fall apart and no one really believed that you that I w- would win, uh, win the event with having a lead going into into Sunday um obviously you know you've won two majors uh the avion i've been to that course at avion laban um how do you separate the differences between the two major wins i i mean the the one i had was so early in my career and i've been fortunate to win um a couple more times on the tour since but definitely you know winning a major again with the competition being really tough and uh, at the time, I was um, had just been diagnosed with uh, mono, um, so I wasn't feeling at my best. Um, so definitely, I mean, even even winning in Europe when I'm from Europe, that's definitely one of those moments that I'm gonna cherish forever. Um, one of your uh, you know citizens of Sweden also won a big tournament while having a cold. Henrik Stenson won the Tour Championship. Have you and he talked at all about? I think he had the flu even or something like that. Yeah, I mean, they always say, like, beware the the sick golfer. I guess I don't know if your expectation gets a little bit lower or it just your body just goes into into this state of uh, hormones. Um, I used to live in the same neighborhood as Henrik did for a couple of years, and it was always going back and forth. You know, you did this and I did that, and... Uh, I think we were competing against each other a couple of years uh, in the running for a Swedish golfer of the year. So I think I beat him in 2009 when he still won players, but I obviously won a major. So he was a little bit bummed about that. But then he came back strong with the, with the FedEx Cups and then I won a, won a major and stuff. So it was always like a friendly banter back and forth. He lives uh, right now. He's got a nice house on Lake Nona. He, I think he lives on 14. Is that right? Yeah, he lives on on one of those uh, holes in the back nine there. Right on that little par three. Um, I was glad that he didn't see what I did on that hole because I, I didn't. I had a pretty bad lie in the I bunker. Mean, he looked pretty good, and you still want want to hit his house. So I think he <laughs> uh, he, knows, uh, he knows he's uh, safe over there. Would you guys play together much at Lake Nona practicing? You know, we had such different schedules. Uh, I moved away from Lake Nona. It's it's been a bit about a year now. Uh, moved back to Scottsdale, Arizona, where I went to Arizona State University. So this is always what I've considered home. So 
this is where my my home is now but you know I'd see him on the range I'd, I'd watch him hit balls for hours you know the sound that comes off when he hits the ball is just so unique and I was like all right I don't even have to hit anymore <laughs> but he's a hard work I definitely you know um drawn a lot of experience and uh inspiration from him over the years and so when you guys would talk would you speak Swedish yeah definitely I would have a couple, I mean, Swedish friends around. A few of his coaches are, are Swedish. And, I mean, everyone who knows Henrik, he, he's a bit of a jokester. So I don't think everyone always gets his sarcasm and, and his jokes. But, um, yeah, at one point I had, like, a yellow shirt. So he started calling me Bumblebee. And, yeah. In Swedish. And uh, uh, I think he actually like Bumblebee because that's a better word. A Swedish word is humla, so it's not quite as... <laughs> funny I guess um but I mean he turned 40 a couple years ago and that was that was a big moment to to tease him back a little bit so (laughs) he's a great guy so we had uh had a lot of laughs over the years what uh Swedish um you know um I guess cultural things have you maintained through your life in America I think the simplicity has always been one of those things um i wish i could bike a lot more i mean right here in scottsdale like it's a little bit better than it was in in florida maybe i didn't like it um i mean i grew up biking to school biking to the stores biking to different practices my golf uh golf course was too far away to bike to um and i don't think my parents wanted me to go over the freeway where i would (laughs) have but um just the simplicity of life you know the outdoors um i like cooking or i like eating in i'm not a huge restaurant person and i mean we get plenty of that on tour um but just that kind of like chill laid back like i don't really i don't really care like fancy things and um you know you're spending time with with friends and family you know like i could never dream of having a pool (laughs) for example because that's really not uh, I think you would have back home, but like, no, I do. It's my house, but it's, um, you know, it's, it's quite different from life back home. Um, I always try to be as Swedish as I can. I've always had a lot of Ikea furniture. So I go there to shop. Um, so it's just, just that simple life. Cause I think I'm very down to earth and very grounded. Most Swedes are. Um, I, I'm not Swedish. I'm Swedish generationally. I think it's four generations came from sort of outside Stockholm, but, um, when you go to Ikea, does it feel like your home all of a sudden? Uh, it's just definitely a different, like a special feeling, you know, it's always a little bit different going in, in the U S uh, I know I did a segment with Golf Channel. I think it was in, back in 2009 or 2010. They were like, oh, a day with Anna at Ikea. And it was just, it was just hilarious because it's, I mean, it looks exactly the same as any warehouse would look at home. And all the names at the furnitures, uh, they all have Swedish names. So I know how to pronounce them. And there's a few things at the food market, like the, there's a milk chocolate. Uh, which is like a Swedish brand and there's a few other things that I 
pick up there. Um, I have a sweet tooth and I love my Swedish candy. Um, there's obviously a few things you can get over there. Um, always make sure I go at lunchtime or dinner time so I can have a meal there. Um, but I guess I guess it's just the Swedish in me and you know it's it's as Swedish as it gets in the US. So growing up in Sweden, playing golf, you have a lot of great golf courses. Henrik has one uh, that's open now. And but in the summertime, it's great to play golf because you you know the sun never sets. But what do you do in the winter? Do you still play? So when I uh, when I grew up, I um, obviously did a lot of different sports, and I didn't really get into golf until I was thirteen. Um, I had there, so we were we were trying to be creative. Um, the local tennis, um, uh, the tennis indoor tennis place uh, had um, had given out like um, let the the couple golf courses in um, in in my town Eskilstuna to rent one. So they had set up mats. So you were hitting, uh, I guess, crossway. So you could see the ball fly about, what, five to 10 yards, and then it would hit the net. Uh, I'd be in there for hours uh, during the winter. Because uh, outdoors, I mean, you can be out uh, from April till about October. Um, so we'd been in there from, you know, October, November there to April. And I think it, it requires a lot of dedication. I mean, there was no trackmans and there was nothing to kind of, you know, use technology to actually see what, how it was flying. Uh, they had a little bit of a chipping net, so we'd compete how many in a row you could make and, you know, like the shootouts, competitions. Um, they had a putting mat in, in one of the corners of about six holes. Uh, my brothers and I, we had a putting mat at home, uh, nothing fancy. And, and I wish a lot of the, the grading tools that are now, uh, we had back then. Um, my dad and his old, like, I said older, I mean, because they, they were a lot older than I was. They were all the guys in around 50 to 60. They, they had their weekly games during the winters. Um, and a lot of people don't know about this, but I used to play with them every Sunday. And uh, we call it Winterpeggen, which was like their winter tea. Um, so you had a mat, uh, you had a carry golf uh, bag. There was no range open. So you just took a few swings, hoped that you weren't going to kind of thin the first shot because that, like your hands would vibrate. So they had like cut greens on the side of the, um, on the side of the big green. And the cups were, I mean, the cups were huge. Had a little bit of ice. And uh, like even a five footer, you know, could bounce off. And then you have a pitch shot sometimes and it was icy under. I mean, he could ricochet like 50 yards over the green. So I used to do that like basically every Sunday. Sometimes we've got on, um, on, uh, on Saturdays as well. Um, Cause I was in school during the weeks. So I tried to be creative with it. I think it helped me a lot. Uh, just kind of toughen up and just kind of keep, keep the game going. Um, you know, I remember one time it was green when we started and the ground was white when we finished. So I played in a lot of different, different kind of weathers, um, kind of been used to this heat and I don't know how I would, um, how I would, uh, survive with just like two layers during the winters. But I mean, I feel now that we had the last, I mean, obviously a couple of weeks and with the quarantine and stuff like that, everyone is freaking out. A golf course is close but this is basically what 
uh, what we used to do during the winters, you know, hitting into the net, that's what, even just a couple yards in front of you. Like, so I don't feel like it's, it's a big deal, but everyone's freaking out. But th there's a lot of things to do, and there's a lot of things you can improve on, um, even if you don't green grass and, uh, you know, can see the ball fly. So you started golf relatively late, 13, and then am I right that it was just four years later or five that you win the uh, Junior British Girls Open? Um, is I don't know if I got the title correct, but... Yeah, I, I think is... it, was, it was 2005. Yeah, so it was five years later. Um, I didn't get, I mean... Uh, having having two brothers, I mean, we had very supportive parents that drove us around to tournaments. A lot of the tournaments were down south, um, and we lived about an hour and a half south of Stockholm, so it was a good six hours to the southern part of Sweden. So my my family used to um, used to go down because there was a lot of junior tournaments, especially in the spring. Um, so we'd drive down Friday morning, wake up early, play a practice round, play. Uh, a lot of tournaments were 54 holes. You played 36 on the Saturday. You played 18 Sunday morning and finish off the tournament. And either my mom or my dad would drive back six hours. Uh, we'd come home eight and go back to school on the Monday. So that was a lot of our weeks during the spring. Um, so we did that. I mean, I, I tried to compete. I didn't get on the national team until I was 17. Um, there was a lot of... A lot of my girl, like my friends that were on the team, and I felt like I beat a lot of them, but I was still kind of ignored um, by the national team for a long time. Um, but one year, I mean, I basically lowered my my average score by like four shots or five shots. So it really took off there when I was like 17, 18. Um, and I think I got to play my first uh British girls British Open when I was 17 that was my um that was my first like national team um competition and then and where was later, that uh, uh the one that I won was at West Hill uh outside London I actually ended up beating um a good friend like Athara Munoz in the final uh so we go way back yeah <laughs> that's great yeah. um so I mean at that point, you're, you're, when you win that tournament at West Hills, does your life change immediately? No, it doesn't change. It doesn't change much, you know, like, I, like I can look back at it now and see what, like, what a great tournament. And I think they gave me, like, honorary membership after that. And, like, it was just, like, very, like, special um, treatment, obviously. But, um I think I had a dream, you know, I was so caught up in, in, in where I wanted to go, what I wanted to do. I really wanted to try get to college, get to the U.S. and hopefully make it on tour one day. So, you know, you go to one tournament, even if you had a successful one or you, you didn't have a successful one, you, like, you kept going, you kept pushing, I kept practicing the next day. Uh, I was just so driven to just get better. Um, I did have a lot of success in a lot of those junior tournaments. So I think that kind of grew a little bit of confidence, but then having success at kind of like the greater scene, like in Europe, um, that definitely, you know, boosted my confidence. And, um, and then eventually I went to, to play uh, British amateur. It's actually in the final three years in a row before I won. Uh, 
that one. But it uh, it's just so great how I feel like, you know, the way the system in Europe always been, how there's always been a lot of great amateur events. Um, I mean, yeah, I play with Carlotta Siganda, I play with Belen Motho, Althara Munoz, Caroline Hedwall, Pernilla, um, you know, all these, these players. You know, we, we either played uh, amateur golf or competing against each other when Sweden was usually playing Spain in the final at the European team events. Um, and, um, you know, Mel Reed, like, so it's fun, like, how we were all kind of grew up together. Um, a few of them appeared on the Junior Song Cup team together with in 2005. And then we were all on the same um, actual Song Cup team, you know, a couple of years later. It's, it's really special how to see how far everyone's come. Uh, what a great game golf to kind of bring people together and also, you know, see what life can take you. You talked in the beginning a little bit about the dream that you had and the drive to realize that dream. Um, you know, one of the things I'm so fascinated in when talking to people like yourself, successful uh, people who have realized their dreams through hard work is kind of, you know, well, for me, it's always like, if you love it, it's not work. It's still work, but it's, it's, it's a different kind of work. You're not working for anybody else, right? You're working for something that you believe in. And so then the hard work doesn't become a task, but more of a step. And I'm curious to know where did, where did the dream come from? And, and, and in, in your career through the highs and lows, how does the dream and the drive kind of coexist? Um, yes, that's a big question. Um, I mean, I always felt like no matter what it was, I was always very ambitious, very passionate about things, always wanting to do my best. Um, my grandpa was always a good role model for me and he always told me not, never to give up and always keep fighting. Um, so from early on, uh, I did probably six or seven different kinds of sports before I found golf. Uh, I was swimming a lot at the time. I would say I was probably the most dedicated swimmer ever who never had any success because I've never been explosive and never had fast muscles. So I loved it. I was swimming about six or seven times a week. Uh, I mean, from I was, what, 10 to 14, 15 there. But I was just slow. I never had any success. But I kept, like, there was something that just kept me being so passionate about being in the water and coming back to the pool every day. Um, going back and forth and I think a lot of people <laughs> question is like what are, what are you doing because <laughs> I obviously didn't have any in any bright future but school I had like always had good grades um, and it wasn't like things were coming easy for me um, I never had it easy to learn things it always took me a little bit longer time but I always put in that extra work um, so I definitely think it's it's a bit of a personality thing um my parents were always hard workers and uh worked hard so we didn't have to like we can do all these different sports and stuff like that um I've always been extremely competitive uh so that's probably one of the things that kind of always been a driven factor for me um I hate losing more probably more than I like winning at card games, at, you know, a friendly soccer game. Um, I always play with the boys. 
at school and during the PE lessons. And I mean, I, I, I did not want to lose uh, whatsoever. And then at tournaments, I think that's why I've always been pretty good at match play because I like the one-on-one and just just in front of you. And I just, I just don't, I just don't like losing. That's just how I am. And I can be pretty grumpy and I can be like pretty frustrated when I do. Um, but when it comes to golf, I think, you know, I've always been um, working really hard at it. I, I don't feel like I have a lot of talent. I never was one of the ones among us growing up that had the most talent. I just outwork everyone. Um, I mean, the weather is not always great in Sweden and I'd be there. I mean, it's raining and I'm out there practicing and just that drive. I think I wanted to get better. Um, if there's something to work on, you know, I'm going to be out there putting it in. And I've always been very passionate about learning about myself and how I can get better. I've always had a notebook with me, um, writing down notes. I still do it today. Uh, I think my coaches over the years have been like, all right, you have a lot of notes. <laughs> uh, but I always down like what's, what's important or what I need to work on and just never being really settling into what I'm doing because I always want to find ways to get better because I think um, the motivating factor for me is um, to always improve and get better um, and with with golf such a complex sport is I feel like there's always something to work on um, I feel like over like I've always been pretty mentally strong but I'm, I'm pretty fascinated about learning and um, how I can tackle situations a little bit different, a little bit better, or how things work and how the mind works. Um, so just, just, just loving, loving the complex, like how complex the game is and that I can always learn and improve because there's nothing more satisfying than knowing how much work or many hours of time you spend with your coach working on this shot or working, you know, when no one's watching and it's, you know, it's 7 a.m. On, on a Monday morning or a Saturday morning, you're standing there working on it. And for actually be able to pull it off in a really pressure, precious situation on the golf course in a tournament, you know, that's those are the moments that I live for. Um, and I feel like if, if you've been there, um, I mean, for example, when I won Evian in um, 2017, um, at battle mono, I had no energy and it, it's been a really rough patch. Um, and the weather was horrendous. It was hailing in the, um, in the playoff. I couldn't feel my fingers and I still like pulled it off with like a lot of other things going on. Like those are the moments that are going to make you wake up, um, when you want to just stay in bed. Um, so back to your questions you know there is just so many factors but I think when you're passionate passionate about something and when you love something so much um I think it's it's easy to put in the work um because you know why you're doing it you said something interesting that you hate losing more than you like winning and yeah. that must be tough to be a pro golfer because even the best in the world are only winning one out of 10. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's definitely like something you need to learn how to, 
kind of kind of deal with but it's just um you know winning might not be a trophy like winning might sometimes be that you're overcoming something that you haven't been able to do or I feel like in golf you know um the competition is so tough so you got to find your victories within within like your competition but I yeah I just hate losing like there's just something about it and I think that's why match play is so good because whatever it takes like I'm not gonna like I'm gonna everything in my power uh to be prepared or to be my opponent um but that's basically like how I'm looking at the game too like I'm gonna do everything in my power when it comes to practice preparations and you know for when I'm, I'm when I'm teeing it up I'm gonna want to do my best um, to compete. All right, hitting you up at the ad break here. I got a couple to run through. Jones golf bags, y'all, made in Portland. These bags are uh, they go back to the '70s. You're gonna recognize these if you're older, and if you're not, you're gonna be like, "Those look retro. They're awesome." Well, they are awesome, and they're also wonderfully priced. They also have some random golf club bags. Uh, we are getting a new bag up and running. So check back on the website for that. We're currently sold out of all the current bags that we have through Jones. Um, but stay tuned. You can sign up for the mailing list at randomgolfclub.com or head over to Jones Golf Bags. Follow them on Instagram, Jones underscore sports underscore co. They make the best bags in the biz. They've got dual straps, single straps. They probably have a triple strap. They've got stand bags. Um, they my One of the best is I like the original bag. I like the player series. I also like the Ranger or the Rover. One of the two. Either way, I love that bag, and I love the guys that make up Jones. Very proud to welcome a new sponsor to the Random Golf Club universe. That's Whoop. You may have seen me wearing a, quote, watch on my right wrist. That's not a watch. It's a Whoop strap, W-H-O-O-P, and they're offering uh, a discount. I don't quite know what it is. It could be 15%. I don't know. It's pro- It could be more uh, if you use the code EAL. And um, my experience with this wonderful device, this wearable technology, is that it helps me get better sleep. It helps me understand the strain that I'm going through throughout the day, whether I'm you know, on the bike, it connects to my Peloton, or whether I'm just walking 18 holes of golf, which, by the way, actually is pretty strenuous. I didn't really realize that's why I need a nap in the middle of the day, folks, if I play a 6 a.m. round. Um, but definitely go check it out. They've obviously, you probably heard the news that they gave one out to every PGA Tour player because it actually has been proven to help identify, um, you know, subtle, I guess, biometric changes in your body that could lead to uh, early um, uh, detection of COVID. So, you know, a lot of reasons to try this thing. A lot of athletes have been loving it, obviously, Rory and Justin Thomas. So check that out. All right, folks. Features. Here's the story. F-E-E-T-U-R-E-S. Want to get that out of the way, folks. It's, it's not feature films. It's not... I don't know what else it would be, but it's features. Anyway, uh, here's the deal with the features. I put them on my feet, and I feel pretty much faster. I've done nothing. I've changed nothing. I've actually just put on a pair of socks, and somehow I have obtained higher levels of speed. Um, anyway, it can make a huge difference. Runners obviously are psycho about sock choices, or so I've been told. I, you know, I hear it. I hear it in the locker rooms. I hear it around runners and their socks. I mean, it's like, whoa. I mean, it's like a golfer's grip, right? This is a feature's feet. Boom. 
Whoa, that just happened. Anyway, um, these socks keep your feet cool, dry, and blister-free while providing a custom-like fit that won't bunch a slip during the backswing. God, I mean, you know what? That's the last thing I need is something else to blame my bad shot on. Um, anyway, they've engineered a stock with targeted a sock, not a stock. It's not an IPO. <laughs> targeted compression, anatomical design, and moisture wicking material for unsurpassed performance. I do, um, I actually wear my features on special occasions. I'm kind of like a, I put, I put the features on for like a night out. You know, I'm like, what? <laughs> um, anyway, I do, I do love them. I do love the way they snuggle my friggle, friggle, friggle feet. Um, anyway, you're going to get $10 off your first pair when you use the code ERIC, E-R-I-K, at features.com. That's F-E-E-T-U-R-E-S.com, promo code ERIC, for $10 off your first pair. Um, that pair will be guaranteed for life. Guaranteed for life. Features are so durable and long-lasting that if you're unsatisfied at any point, they'll give you a replacement pair, no cues, aid, no questions asked, FYI. Features is highly is a proudly family-owned business uh, down there in uh, North Carolina. We all know that. That's old news. But uh, anyway, check out Hugh and uh, and uh, his sons, Joe and John, to, uh, you know, and they're working on their mission to create products to help you achieve your personal best, primarily focused on your feet. I was about to say something about and your ten toes, but you know, honestly, then I was like, maybe you don't have ten toes, and I was like, I don't want to make anyone feel bad if they only have nine, or maybe you've got eleven. This one goes to eleven anyway. <laughs> features.com promo code Eric. Get your socks if you if you don't like them. Honestly, that's on you because they're saying they'll give you they'll give you as much as you need to like them. And the truth is, I honestly don't know how you wouldn't like these socks. Like I said, I've put them on. I don't. I don't see there's a world where you're like, this is not the perfect sock. So, you know, hey, prove me wrong. All right, folks, I got a new ad read for you. It's uh, it's it's about ExpressVPN, y'all. And I'm going to personalize this. ExpressVPN, <laughs> ExpressVPN lets you access the Internet as if you're from a different country. Wow. I'm not even clear why that's interesting. Anyway, Netflix has different shows and movies available depending on, oh, here we go, depending on where you are. Oh, so this is like when you're traveling and you can't get what you want. Now, I got it. I got the solution for y'all. Yo, get on the dark web with EAL, bro. <laughs> ExpressVPN, you can unlock thousands of new shows and movies from streaming libraries around the glizzy. That's globe. There are hundreds of VPNs out there. See, I thought VPN stood for visible anyway out there but expressvpn is ridiculously fast you can stream anything in hd quality with zero buffering <laughs> express is available vpn is available on every device phones laptops tablets and even snowball using expressvpn to unblock content unlock content expressvpn works with many streaming services netflix amazon Prime, BBJ, iPlayer, YouTube, and many more. You can use from 100 countries. It's so simple to use. Just fire up ExpressVPN, change your location, hit connect, and then refresh. Yo, check it out, y'all. My experience with ExpressVPN is incredible. I've used it all over the world. I've never used it. Look, here's the thing. Yeah, It sounds legit to me. Um, I would say go to expressvpn.com slash Eric, E-R-I-K, to check it out and become a hacker, go to expressvpn.com slash Eric, E-R-I-K. Honestly, here's the thing. If you do go to expressvpn.com slash Eric and you watch Netflix in another country, I offer you a 
large load of respect. I'm into it. I'm into you. I'm into the whole thing. I'm into expressvpn.com slash Eric. Use it or lose it. And get global on this mofo. Get global. Get Yo, are you MacGyver or not? If you are MacGyver, go to expressvpn.com slash Eric. And while you're at it, get a second one. Get two if you don't. Here's the thing. If you get two, it's twice as good, folks. All right, later. TaylorMade, folks. TaylorMade is a family and it's a team. They've been so generous with their staff players for the Ace Cam videos for us. And obviously, the sim driver has changed my life. I can now I can drive the ball 7,000 yards, and it actually it hits me in the, in the butt. It goes so far. Um, but definitely check out all of the things from TaylorMade. I love those guys. Vice, Vice, Vice. It's a golf ball. It's got style. It's got class. But even more importantly, it performs as good as the top-performing balls for half the price. So check out the Vice commercials. You may have seen those. I don't know if you have. Maybe you haven't. I don't know. Um, we've got a random golf club ball coming out very soon. They're on a truck. I think we have – there's so many balls that they're bringing them in. I don't even know how they bring them in. They're probably not on a plane because it would weigh the plane down. I don't even know. Check up randomgolfclub.com for the Vice balls coming up. Precision Pro. Also big news for Precision Pro coming soon. You've heard me talk about it. I think I can definitively say we're going to be launching this in the middle of August. The Random Golf Club Precision Pro Rangefinder comes with free battery replacement for life. It's got a magnet on it. We're going to get the NX9 with the RGC branding. And then all of the other rangefinders they make are wonderful. It's a wonderful family operation up there in Cincinnati. Great crew. Um, and then we have um, Standby. All right. Now I realize why I was stumbling is because... I didn't have what I needed to have to tell you about keeps, folks. Did you know that two out of three guys will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time they're 35? The best way to prevent hair loss is to do something about it while you still have hair left. That's the key. They didn't underline that, but I'm underlining it for you. Get treated from home. You used to have to go to the doctor's office for your hair loss prescription. Now, thanks to keeps... You can visit a doctor online and get hair loss medication delivered right to your home. They make it easy and deliver your medication every three months so you can say goodbye to the pharmacy checkout lines, not fun during COVID, and awkward doctor visits. Keeps offers generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products out there. You may have tried them before, but probably never for this price. Quite possible. Prevention is key. Keeps... Keeps treatments can take up to four to six months or more to see results, so it's important to act fast. Literally, press pause and get this. Uh, the sooner you start using Keeps, the more hair you'll save. Huh. You're not even saving money. You're saving hairs. We're splitting hairs here, folks. Okay, sorry. No, stop. Find out why Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of its competitors and nearly 100,000 men. Trust, that's, a, that's an army. That's an army, folks. 100,000 hairy men, by the way. They're hairy for sure. Um, keeps, keeps, Snowball. Snowball, you have enough hair. Relax. He's hypoallergenic, so he doesn't even lose it. It's like, come on, man. It's an embarrassment of riches over there, Snowball. It's all white, I know. But you you were born with white hair. Okay, moving on. Keeps, uh, their hair loss prevention medication. Keeps treatments starts at just $10 per month. Plus, $10 a month? That's a good deal. Plus, for a limited time, you can get your first month free. Required talking points. This is written in red. Use your talking points what to guide the narrative, but to, 
put it in your own words. Whoops, too late for that. Uh, <laughs> okay, I think we're good. Keeps.com, K-E-E-P-S.com slash Anders. That's my name, folks. That's how you get a discount. If you're ready to take action, if you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash Anders to receive your first month of treatment free. That's ten bucks off, y'all. If they if you do it for a year, that's eight percent. Quick math. Uh K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Anders. Um keep, uh we uh oh, we do keep customer before and after photos. That's cool. There's our online. You can go look at customer before and after photos. Keeps.com. K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Anders. Bunch of other stuff that they told me not to do. Pretty sure I didn't do it. Anyway, much love to y'all. Check out Keeps.com and check out all of our other partners that support RandomGolfClub.com and go to RandomGolfClub.com to check out stories, merch, community, and more. Membership coming soon. Hey, Sklar Brothers here, Randy and Jason, and we have a couple of podcasts. If you you know them or you don't know them, check them out. We do View from the Cheap Seats, which is sports and comedy, and we have a podcast called Dumb People Town where we break down stupid behavior done by stupid people in this stupid world of ours. It is hilarious. Check them both out. And now, check out this podcast. So let's talk about the LPGA. Is it is it you know, you must have had a lot of ideas about what it would be like before you got there. Um, what were your expectations like and did, did they, did the experience of having an LPGA tour card and, and playing on tour meet your expectations? Now this doesn't include your win in your fifth start as a rookie. Yeah. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just what did you expect and, and was that, was that what you found? Well, I, I mean, I had a lot of, um, a lot of people are like trying to tell me what it was going to be like. Um, like who? And how I was part of like the Annika team. So I got some experience from Annika Sorenstam. There's other suites that was on tour, Mimi York. Um, um, and came across like Helen. And so there was a lot of, you know, Lisa Lot Neumann, like a lot of ones had been there and a few, I mean, Sandra Gall had been a college and national team when I was in, kind of in the same time. And she, she was, I feel like she was the first one in our era to leave college early to get on tour. So she had been on tour for I think a year or two. Um, so there was obviously a lot of people trying to explain what tour life was like, um, trying like, Oh, don't do these rookie mistakes. And um, like what and, would be a rookie mistake? you know, like too much practice or playing every event and, um, you know, just trying, like everyone's obviously you come on tour and trying to figure out how it, how it all works. I think a lot of the beauty with it is too, is you have like figuring it out on instead of having people tell you because what works for one person is not going to work for another one. When I came out, um, there wasn't as many entourages that you see on tour now, you know, it seemed like a lot of people traveling with their parents or um, they have a manager or it's just a little bit different. There's just like bigger groups of people around everyone. There's a lot more coaches out now, uh, mental coaches, physical trainers, physios, like there's just, just so many more people around now than when I came out. So I feel, I feel like tour life was like a lot more lonely than, what I thought it would be. Um, 
yeah, you can find a few friends out there, but at the end of the day, you know, you need to take care about yourself and, um, but it definitely isn't easy. I mean, I have my whole family back home. They try to come out, come out for a few events, um, you know, to kind of help me out, learn the ropes. Even if I won early, I still had no clue <laughs> what, um, what was going on. And, uh, cause I just hadn't, hadn't done it for a while. I mean, what events do you play? You learn a new golfers every week. Um, just things like that. And I think LPGA gave me, uh, you know, how to do, you have to, your first year you have to do these rookie hours, but then after I won, it's kind of a lot of media and stuff. So I think it gave me a pass on doing the, the media hours for the rookie, the rookie hours. But um, you come from college, you come from like national team where everything is taken care of for you. And all of a sudden you're the one who stands there and have to like, make arrangements and if you haven't figured out I couldn't rent a car because I wasn't um I think it's 25 maybe in the U.S. so just just stuff like that you know you don't think about and I feel like golf is the last thing you worry about because that's where you're comfortable but traveling to all these different places on your own and um you know figure out like I remember Jill Inkster coming up to me on the driving range in Mexico which was probably my third event and she's like uh hi Anna I'm Jill Inkster welcome to the tour and I was like uh, I know who you are and I'm like how does she know who I am so it's just like moments it seems pretty surreal um my rookie year I I, I made a Solon Cup team and um first hole in the practice run I mean I'm playing with Laura Davis um Mimi York and I can't remember who it was, maybe Helen Alfredson. And I mean, I watched these, um, these players since I started playing golf. I mean, I was 10, 11, 12, 13, like, um, and I had, I, I stand there with like a six or seven footer for par on the first hole. And Laura, Laura Davis goes like, well, you don't want to, you don't want to lose your first, um, song cup hole or something like that. And I was just like, you know, I made it dead center. <laughs> But it's just so surreal, like from where you have a dream, you watch all these players. Uh, I mean, playing with Susan Pedersen um, my rookie year, uh, we ended up winning 17-18 to win the match by one up. And just she's just been someone I looked up to for so long because I think she's such a great athlete. And then all of a sudden she's one of my better friends um, on tour. And I treasure a lot of moments with her. So it's, it's just like surreal how the whole, you know, you've come from basically nowhere and um, you manage your way, you, you figure it out. That's, I think that's the beauty with it. Like there's so many th things on tour. I mean, I've been there now for 11 years, uh, but I learned so much about myself. I learned so much about the world, about all these places. I met so many amazing people. There's just so many, like, I don't feel like there's any other job in the world or any education that could have taught me the same things and gotten me the same experience. And that's, you know, you, you might not have to be a professional golfer and actually compete. I mean, just being in the golfing world, like I, I think it's just such a, such an amazing place to, you know, to be. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to hear the way you describe it because it's really interesting to think about, as a pro golfer, the easiest part of the job is playing golf, especially at the beginning. I mean, 
included in the job are so many other things like traveling, getting good rest, eating healthy at a different place every day, um, you know, staying social. It, it's, it's really fascinating to hear you talk about that. Um, I kind of want to hear you talk a little bit more about Laura Davies. I had the chance to see her play at uh, Aviara and um, I think it was the first time I had ever seen someone tee a ball up um, in that manner. Do you know yeah. what, where this originated from? And if you're listening to this and you don't know, uh, Anna will explain exactly what Laura Davies, and even with the driver, she tees it up this way. Can, can you describe what this experience was like? Yeah, so um, I, I watched Laura basically since I was, what, 10 or 11 years old. Um, there used to be a Swedish tournament in Stockholm every year, and I remember uh, I had... Um, I'd gone to watch her with my family. I have this water bottle for the longest time in my room at my parents' house uh, with her signature and a few other girls' signatures. So Sam Pedersen was one of them. Um, but obviously what was always fascinating by Lois was seeing her hitting, um, hitting the driver because she kind of uses a wedge to um, like kind of make a divot so it like stands up and then she tees up the ball on top of that divot. And then she just fires at it like it's just so powerful. Um, but watching this in person as her playing partner is even cooler because you're like right there. And the first time I played with her, I, th I think it was in Australia. It was like 2009 or 2010 maybe. And I was just like, I just, I just stood that like I couldn't focus on my game because I was more like more focused on like watching her game. Um, and she's she's just such a great athlete. Like a lot of people don't know that about her. I mean, she's such a great cricket player, soccer, uh, pool. Like she loves sports, and I think that's why she's still playing at this day and age. I mean, she almost won in Phoenix a couple of years ago. Um, I think she's missing one one tournament at one point maybe to get into the LPJ Hall of Fame. So I think she's still she's still very very driven. Um, but being on her being um, being as a teammate on a Solon Cup team, it's, it's just been amazing. Like getting to know her a little bit and just seeing, you know, her fun personality. She's a competitor. Uh, she probably hates losing as much as I do. Um, she was our captain in, um, uh, in at Lynn Eagles, vice captain. And I know she probably said like she was never going to be, be a captain or anything, but I hope she changes her mind because it would be amazing to play on our team. Um, but when it comes to the teeing up, I remember asking her, I'm like, Oh, do you always do that? Cause I'm like thinking there's, you know, links courses, there's firm ground. It's going to be hard to make a divot and make a stand up, but I'm sure she figured it out over the way. Sometimes she like, like hits, uh, when she had the uh, Johnny Scott, not caddies for, um, caddy for Lydia, but now caddies for Carlos Siganda. She used, uh, he used, she used to, um, kind of like make it as one move so she would like use her wedge like get the divot and then let the club go so he would be maybe like two yards behind her and like catch the catch the club when it was like flying back and then she just pick her driver and and, and uh, picked it up but she I asked her it's like do you always like when do you, do you actually have a tee because I think she I think she actually carries three tees in her pocket as a superstition so she always has tees in her pocket but I was never used to them. And I remember asking her at that time, um, 
if she was using teas anytime, she's like, yeah, I think there's about three holes that I use. I can't remember actually what she was saying, but she's like, yeah, there's one hole in Austria and uh, there's another one somewhere and somewhere. Uh, but I think it has something, I feel like, I don't know if it's easier for her to hit the cut or she knows it doesn't go left when she tees it up like that because she has to hit down on it. But if you ever get the chance to watch her play, I think it's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, the, the, it's always amazing to watch a professional golfer hit a golf ball, but it's extra amazing to watch Laura Davies throw this wedge into the tee box and just create a massive divot and pull it back, and then even with the driver, no tee. It, it was fascinating. Um, yeah. You talked a little bit about uh, being lonely on tour and about having an entourage, and I think that's a great segue to talk about your husband, who you get to travel with, but he's not part of your entourage. Well, in a way, he is, he is part of, I guess, my entourage. Uh, me and Kev has been engaged since... Well, December 2018 now. Um, we were supposed to get married in July this year, but we just had to postpone our wedding a year because I'm of sorry that. Yeah, so uh, not the greatest time to be trying to get married in and having a great experience, but um, just change of plans, like, like golf right now. Um, but it's just so great to have someone on tour uh, with you. Uh, that cares about you and at the end of the day when um you know there's obviously a lot of a lot of golf around us he cares for amy yang right now um but we you know he has his day on the golf course i have my day and then we come home we try not to talk too much about golf but um it's just great to always have someone there um really close to my caddy to paul cormack um him and kev knows those each other very well. They're both Scottish, so I feel like they're like my little bit of a my my little team out there. You know, they have my back no matter what. Um, but um, yeah, for many years like, I didn't. I was traveling on my own and try to have my friends and some of my family come over and travel with me. Um, my brother caddied for me for, for a summer just to kind of um, help me out and just like find the the passion. But it is it gets really lonely. Um, it's one thing when you play well and everyone's wants to be your friend, you're in the spotlight, everyone's patting your back, but then, you know, golf is, is not always going to be a game of high. So I feel like when you are struggling a little bit, you know, there's going to be a lot of people disappearing. Uh, they're not going to be there wanting to be in the spotlight. Um, and that is something that I found over the years, um, you feel like you lose a lot of friends um, to turn out not to be there when you actually need them or they're in there for the right reasons. Um, so I, it, you know, a lot of times I had to learn it the hardware, hard way. You know, I tend not to see the, the bad in people. Uh, and I probably travel with too many people sometimes and let them, let them in. But I'm, um, I'm probably, I used to be really shy and quiet. So I feel like that's probably how a lot of people see me, but then when they do get to know me, I, I kind of open up a little bit. Um, but having a few people there like means a lot. Um, I was working with a physio, Shane, for a couple of years, and you know I felt like he was he was a really really good teammate because he was there. You know the days 
when you just wanted to punch a wall or you had a bad day on the golf course or you've been working on something you just couldn't really figure it out like so it, it's just um it's just such a like complex like many people obviously you know see you on the golf course but um there's just so much more to it and you know dealing with emotions you know you have you shoot a bad score and then it's so easy um to to feel like you live your result and you know um you treat yourself based on your result because that's a lot how a lot of other people treat treat you based on based on how you did and you know it's uh in Kearney, um i'm very grateful that i've had a lot of success but i'm also learning how to how to deal with the lows and how to deal with the bad shots and the the bad times and i feel like those are the times that you actually grow the most and um you know being fine like <laughs> like i said i hate losing like i there's nothing fun with shooting 75 but you have to be okay with it too you have to learn yeah. how to be okay with it too and the world is not going to go under uh because when i came out on tour it was golf 24 7 um there was that was just all it was like i didn't ha i did not have a life um and so just trying to find yourself and find who you are um i guess doing it on tour it's you know you come out we're all young we're all young girls when we come out you're i mean some even 17 18 but when you're 21 you have <laughs> you really have no idea of a lot of the things um and i feel like now there's a lot of entourages and people are doing a lot like managers parents um i w I'm, I'm glad i didn't have that because then i had to toughen up myself and learn a lot myself instead of having everything handed to me or done for me um because i think at the end of the day i've been a better athlete and a better person because i had to figure a lot of things on my own yeah i do want to talk about one specific story at the solheim cup when uh kevin was caddying for um um your opponent lexi what was that like so so you're in a match was this in was this in um uh, this was uh Solon cup in 2017 uh in des moines uh we had started dating basically end of, end of april start of may we had not been prepared together prior to this um prior to the soul up and it was basically like everyone was just waiting for me and lexi to be drawn together uh, when it didn't happen the first two days i'm like oh we might actually it might not actually happen i mean kev was kev was living on the american side of the hotel and i was I was on the European side. Um, he didn't really want to go in the in the European team room because everyone um, was kind of, especially I felt like on the American side, that was trying to, you know, make fun of the situation, um, which wasn't easy for him. But so when the I had texted him and I said, "Oh, do you guys know what number you're playing?" And yeah, we're going first. <laughs> I was like, I knew I was going first. I was like, oh, okay. And then the parents came out and like everyone on the European side, they were just loving it. They were like, 
and obviously on the American side too. I don't think a lot of people knew like in media and stuff like that because I've always been kind of private with my private life and a lot of people didn't know we were dating but obviously a lot like everyone on the teams and stuff knew uh knew we did um so i just what is that like what is that like you get to the first tee and you're just like good game good game like i obviously hadn't been paired with him so he hadn't seen me like play under the gun and uh i feel like it was just it was just kind of uh it was a very different situation i think it was harder for him i mean you go out there and you do your job like he's very professional in his job so they won't, he wanted to be me probably as much as I wanted to beat him uh, or, or Lexi. But it was just such a great game. Like, it was such a great match. I was, I think, four up after nine. Uh, she makes this amazing birdie on 10, not this really tough pin. I'm like, all right. And then I think I hit my wedge shot to, what, two and a half or three feet on 11. And then she holds her wedge shot for eagle. And I'm, like, looking over at it, and he's just like <laughs> – so, and then from there, it was just, like, crazy. Uh, she went on a little bit birdie there, and then she makes this amazing pile, and I think it was 15. Um, it's probably one in a one in 50 putts. I mean, it had, like, a 25-footer with probably 15 feet of break. It was just unheard of. And then I would follow my, my eagle putt because I was, like, I just hit a little bit, like, firm through the break. Um, I mean, it was crazy i i was like kind of exhausted after because of the whole situation um but then i mean i probably had one of my better golf shots in my career on 18 there to to tie it up but he kind of gave me a kiss on the cheek i don't remember because of like the the moment um but i've been told that the swedish commentators on tv had been like huh uh is that how you like (laughs) greet your opponent after a game so uh, he kept his job, uh, he kept his girlfriend, and uh, we're all good. That's great. That's good. And do you guys, I'm assuming you play golf. Do you guys play golf together? Yeah, Ken's a great golfer. Uh, he turned pro, and uh, he still plays at a really high level. So um, he just loves the game. Um, had a, a little bit of learning. He's a Scottish guy, so he's been great to teach me bunker shots and a couple of the low shots and stuff but we do a lot of 21 together and just have some friendly competitions have you ever considered working together we have not that was decided very early on i don't think it even was a discussion uh, and i'm very glad we don't um he counted for me in this uh i made this um uh, agreement with them. Uh, I played in, I think it was in the beginning of March to get ready for uh, what I thought would be starting in Founders Cup, Key and ANA. So playing one of those Cactus Tour events. So I said, uh, if you come caddy for me in this three, three day thing, um, we're making money, I'll, I'll split it in half with you. So he actually came caddy for me at the end of winning a playoff. Um, he got an Xbox out of it. Uh, so uh, he was pretty happy, but I think that was that was the one time he le- he leaves on top. But uh, one of his best friends, Paul Cormac, caddies for me, and I'm I'm really happy with it. But he he's a great caddy, so um, I uh, I know someone is in really good hands with him as caddy. There's not that many couples that work together from a player caddy standpoint. Really, the only one I can think of right now is 
well, it doesn't exist anymore, but Patrick Reed and um, his wife who caddied for him for a while, which is very unusual. Did you, did you have any thoughts on that when, when that was happening? Were you like, this is crazy. How do they do that? I mean, what, how does that work? I, th- I, mean, I think it depends on the person. Um, I, I think it really depends on the couple and who you are. I mean, Katrina Matthew and Graham Matthews worked together for so many years and they made it work. Uh, Karina Cher and her husband, Sarah Jane Smith and Dwayne, they've been working for a long time. Um, I just, it's just all, I feel like it depends on um, who you are and what you want. I mean, sometimes you, you, you trust your significant other and you want them to be there. Um, it gets a little, probably gets a little bit too much having them there 24 seven. And it's, it's nice to, you know, be able to go to work and um, not bring, being able to bring it home together. You know, you're competitive and in the heat of the moment, you're, you're going to be pretty fiery and that's not something I would want Kevin to be around. Uh, so it's great to have a distance, but I feel like everyone's, you know, the ones who do it, make it work. But for the most part, you have someone else. Well, hopefully that'll lead to a long and happy marriage. When you guys do get married, I'll be thinking of you and I'm looking forward to seeing you back out there. Um, thank you for joining us.